1: culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision.
0: Uh, We're back on the trail of ancient biblical wisdom for modern times today. And to our modern secular thinking, a quest for ancient wisdom sometimes might feel a little outdated. But if biblical wisdom is from God, it doesn't age because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today we're looking to uncover ancient, timeless wisdom of the ages and to equip ourselves to navigate the complexities of our modern times. Well, our special focus today is around friendship, communication and conflict. And our special guest is Reuben Rose. Reuben is a husband, a father, a farmer, a veterinarian, a scientific researcher, an academic leader, pastor and chairman of a group of CEOs. And he's also an emeritus professor at the University of Sydney. His latest book is called Ancient Wisdom for Modern Times, Biblical Foundations for Life in a World that Has Lost Its Way. Reuben Rose has been a believer in the veracity of the Bible and a student of its wisdom for over 40 years. And even for the past five or six years, he's been studying Hebrew in order to be able to dive in deeper into ancient biblical wisdom. Reuben, a special welcome back to 2020. Hey, uh, thanks for bearing with us too, Reuben. We were talking about the human condition and uh, your curiosity in this area. I wonder, uh, give us an insight here into just how important it is to understand what our human condition is that we share.
1: Well, yeah, it's probably a metaphor for what happened because the human condition today is uh, is digital connection and digital work everywhere and we're linked into many things and we're on media and so forth but but all the 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 challenges around around uh, social media and so forth which is a which is a big issue for us today still leads us back to the same condition that we're in that is we're we're lost without god and at the heart of everything is something very simple that is the fear of the lord tells us in many places in scripture is just the beginning of wisdom and so one of the important things I discovered when I started my search into this area really was that without a fear of the Lord, that is a an acknowledgement that there was a God of the universe who'd made everything without that fear of the Lord, we can't even get to the to the very basis of uh, the start of wisdom and so I suppose when we see and we look around us there's there's a lot of very smart people uh, doing doing uh, very stupid things and it's because at the heart of everything, if we haven't got the fear of the Lord and understand that there is a God who uh, we're responsible to in the end, in the end result, then we end up making a range of very poor decisions in our
0: lives. Interesting in that verse uh, from Proverbs chapter nine, as you quote it, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, beginning is an important word in there, isn't it? Because just because you decide to fear the Lord doesn't mean you're instantly mature and wise. Uh, beginning of wisdom means that there is an accumulation of wisdom and where you find the source of wisdom is going to be in God's word. I couldn't help but thinking as you're describing you know, social media and the revolution that has happened in the way that so much information is at our fingertips that almost finding wisdom now might be like trying to find a needle in a haystack. So in some sense, you've got to know where to look. How do you think about those things?
1: Well it is difficult because I think that social media influences so much and you know young people in particular are spending their whole lives. I mean recent studies showed that that in the US at least more than eight hours a day was being spent on social media by young people and so one thing for certain is you won't find wisdom on social media. You'll find a lot of, of trouble and pain and trauma there but you certainly won't find wisdom. But the interesting thing I think is when you look back over the whole story of the Bible, no matter where you look, and it's certainly not a not an easy story because there's uh, what we can see is very poor decisions made by people uh, throughout a range of circumstances in the Old Testament as well. But there's there's a, a thread, a, a golden thread of wisdom. You find your way through if we're, if we're prepared to look and read it. And I suppose in the in the Book of Proverbs, particularly uh, the story of King Solomon, the wisdom that he's given there and the way that he shares it, it's quite dense. In And as you read through it, it sort of you feels like you're under an assault of uh, so much helpful information, which is, I suppose, what led me into writing the book and trying to, to take some of the areas of wisdom from different parts of the Bible and put them together with my own experience where I've made many, many mistakes. But as I look back on those things, I can see that if I follow the the course of biblical wisdom, then I can make better decisions in my life.
0: And you really uh, refer to something very important here because some will be thinking, oh, finding that ancient wisdom in the Bible, um, maybe that's really rare and I've got to have a lot of help to find it and uh, you've got to search out these obscure books or these obscure verses to find this wisdom. But you've just delivered something that is so powerful, and I hope this is not uh, missed by anyone who's listening to our conversation, and especially when you refer to, say, the book of Proverbs, and there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, there is so much wisdom delivered there actually you've got almost like a, life to- a lifelong pursuit just uh, just containing and applying that wisdom. Uh, and that wisdom actually holds true because it's, it is tried and true over thousands of years. Uh, when we're talking about wisdom from the Bible, this is not something that there's not a lack of it, is there?
1: No, I suppose there's so many different levels, isn't there, Neil? As you say, Proverbs has got 31 chapters of, of material, in it that that are so powerful at different levels, and you know, there's so much about, I suppose, the dangers of, of of stumbling away into love and and a friendship and and a whole range of issues around conflict and so forth. And so, uh, we can gain so much from it because our best intentions and our best decisions uh, are sometimes poor decisions, aren't they? So, so what we need to do is to be informed by the ancient wisdom that stood the test of time that God has delivered to his people, um, the prophets and so forth, to to actually take hold of and be able to use ourselves in our daily lives. Uh,
0: We decided that we would talk about a certain number of types of uh, dimensions today to get a focus on this biblical wisdom, this ancient wisdom to be applied to modern times. And I mentioned there in the introduction, uh, we would talk about friendship, communication and Uh, and uh, conflict. So why don't we start with friendship? And if we're looking for biblical wisdom here, uh, what are your thoughts if you set up a a conversation about how we find wisdom around friendship in the Bible?
1: Well, one of the verses that really caught my eye early on as I was doing research was the story of um, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. It says in Proverbs 18, and that really caught my attention. And uh, one of the things that was interesting is that a, a friend of mine said to me that you have to be a friend to make a friend. And I thought, you know, it's powerful because, you know, that is at a at a foundational level. We have to actually go out and be prepared to, to look for friends and be friendly ourselves and take an interest in others. And often we feel as though we haven't even really got any friends or people don't take an interest. But one of the things I think that is important is that Solomon tells us that we actually have to be friendly, and that that is that we have to actually take an interest and so forth in others. And so ultimately, we want to be a friend of God, uh, like like Moses, and um, and also Abraham, who describes his friend as friends of God. And and, um, and that at the heart of that, I think I've sort of got a story in the, the book about John Chapman, who was a uh, uh an old uh, evangelist i remember hearing him tell a story about the fact that uh, he he picked up a hitchhiker and the hitchhiker said to him oh what do you do and john said well i'm i'm a minister and the hitchhiker said oh well look i sometimes pray for to god um and usually when i'm in trouble and and john said to him don't you hate friends like that and um i suppose it's interesting that that in that situation john brought out the important point that if we're going to be a friend of God we can't be a distant friend we can't just come to him in trouble and it's the same story I, I suppose with friends we have to be friends in the good times and the bad times and we have to be able to be able to be friendly and and seek out friendship and support and care for others in the good times as well as the hard times and that leads to to further friendship and so there's got many different levels to that um, Neil and I think you know, loyalty and confidentiality is, is, are two of the important points that are that are point, pointed out um, in those biblical biblical verses, through scattered through proverbs. And it says in Proverbs 17 that a friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. And so, I think the issue of loyalty and friendship is absolutely crucial. And you know, many friendships have gone badly because of people um, not being loyal and also not being confidential. I think confidentiality is the other crucial thing in friendship that it speaks about in Proverbs as well.
0: Ruben, we've been talking about friendship and you mentioned different levels of friendship and that sort of intimate Loyal, affectionate friend is where you want to be. A lot of people think, "Well, I've got lots of friends on social media." How do you contextualise uh, where your friends, your real friends, are? How do you think of that?
1: Well, I suppose at the heart of it, it's um, one of the one of the definitions around friendship is is really association, loyalty, and affection. Those are the three components, and and I, and I suppose Neil in in in. Social media, we can easily have an association with people, but it's clear that we don't have a deep connection. And, and uh, what we want in friendship, I suppose, is to is to help understand the other person, uh, where we want to be able to speak into their lives, speak the truth in love, to support and care for them. And we want that same sort of care ourselves. But often friendship goes badly because... Uh, things go wrong. People hurt one another. There's, there's been disloyalty, or as I spoke about, I think one of the most, the, the biggest dangers in friendship is a lack of confidentiality. Friendship to be to be true needs to be confidential, and when people start speaking about things that they've heard confidentially to others, that's one of the certainties to destroy a friendship. But I think you know, associating with people—that's that's where. We've got to give important advice, and Solomon has a lot of information about that, about the fact of who we associate with. Uh, And for our children, it's very important because it's very clear if you get in with a bad group, you'll go the same way as the bad group. And it's very important to help direct our own children into friendships that are positive and will lead them into a good situation rather than a bad situation.
0: Uh, Let me ask you about this and uh, get a little bit personal here with us, Ruben, because uh, just someone of your own capacity for understanding biblical wisdom and, you know, you're an older man and you've lived life and you've got some things to say. uh, But when you talk about the sort of friendship and you even mentioned speaking the truth in love, in other words, uh, you are helping your friend, by speaking into their lives, but uh, your own personal thoughts here around the thought of offering advice, because uh, from what I pick up from your book, you don't give advice to friends anymore, but you used to. How do you how do you work this whole thing and uh, and uh, issues around questions?
1: Um, Neil, thanks so much. I I think I've had a very interesting uh, uh, journey in this area because I really felt when I'd gained some some insight and understanding, and some biblical wisdom, I thought I needed to share it with people. And I suppose one of the things that I discovered very early on was the fact that actually that advice that I gave was almost never taken. And I started to think, well, my goodness, what's going on here when I'm giving this good advice and people don't take it, whether it be friends or family? And I realized the reason that people don't take advice is because they need to actually discover and unlock the truth for themselves about what they need to do. So that's when I started to realize that we needed to go, rather from giving advice, to asking questions. And one of the important things I discovered was to really ask good questions and and rather than giving advice, just ask things like, how long have you been feeling like this? And what options are you considering? And do you have a strong sense in your heart about the best way to go. What are your main fears? What does your spouse think? You know, one of the things that I found is that it's very important. God has given us spouses to actually uh, complement what we think. And so when our spouse thinks something different to us, it's really important to take note of it. So some of those questions become much more important than any advice we would give because people usually have an answer. And I was I was alerted to this probably 25 years ago when I heard A U.S. leadership guru speak, and he said, you know, when faced with a difficult problem, don't try and find a solution, find the right question. And so that's one of the, I think that's one of the important aspects of wisdom uh, in relation to communication as well.
0: I guess we've all had those experiences. Um, the person who's giving advice, uh, you know, you sometimes would call them a know-all, someone who you know thinks they know everything. And well, what do they really know? And and taking advice is something. Sometimes there's a level of humility that's necessary to recognise wisdom. And sometimes. You've got to go through processes and make mistakes on your own to recognise that what you heard was actually really valuable. Do you think that's a part of a normal life journey when you go through those ups and downs?
1: Look, I'm certain it is. I think we can avoid a lot of troubles if we if we uh, do listen to advice. I know over the years I've received a lot of good advice and much of it I've taken and some of it I've ignored and I've regretted the good advice that I've ignored. So I think I think good advice is is you know you easily you can easily tell good good advice uh, when when you hear it. And sometimes you can tell it because you instantly reject it. You 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 feel a sense of no I don't want to do that. But I think anytime you feel a sense of no that's that's wrong I don't want to do it it's really good to uh, to uh, to unpack that because it's easy to find people to agree with us but sometimes it's hard to take note of the important things that people are telling us and I think it's also important, Neil, in this whole area of of, uh, wisdom, Jesus himself says, you know, don't cast your pearls before swine. So I think you've got to be careful about who you give advice to and and who you speak to and, and speak into their lives, because sometimes it can turn against you. And a lot of people have had that experience, of course, on social media.
0: You accumulate wisdom the perhaps sometimes the longer you live. <laughs> there's always uh, the older person who isn't wise at all and has rejected God. Uh, but there's a certain sense, isn't there, that uh, actions do speak loudly as well. Modeling behaviour, modeling solutions, and particularly if your if your children have grown up and they're now parents and you've got grandchildren and they're all growing up too, there's a certain sense in which modeling becomes more important too than than just sprouting good advice.
1: I, I suppose it's the most important thing, yeah. Is, uh, that that. Um, it's easy to to give good advice and when when uh, those close to us see us doing the opposite of what we're saying then it hasn't got any credibility so modeling is important and it's it's very important to understand that what we do is going to be seen by those around us particularly our family members and acted on much more significantly than anything we say and the good advice we give and we hand out but i do think that one of the important things in all situations is to not only model, but then to also ask questions, particularly when faced with a range of difficult situations and it's easy to give advice and one of the things I discovered after giving advice and handing it out freely for twenty years was I discovered almost none of it was ever taken and so but I think I did find when once you start to ask significant questions and ask people to to reach in and and Sometimes those questions are are difficult. You need to understand the person and you need to ask deep questions that get to the heart of things, but that will uncover a lot and will lead to a much better outcome than any advice
0: that you happen to give. We're going to move our conversation from friendship and on to communication, but before we do, I wonder whether uh, let's take a call. Uh, Billy is in Geraldton, and uh, Billy, just before we move on, uh, welcome along. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, thanks very much, Neil. Um, good morning. Good morning, Reuben. Um, I'm busy with a snipping and uh, I had to stop. It, it struck me what you said, Reuben. You're um, very experienced in your profession. Years ago, about 10 years ago, I was attending a church down in Greenhead, WA, and your pastor was uh, a professor of psychology, and he did a lot of work in Perth quite a well-known drug rehab program. So he'd been very experienced with drug and alcohol rehab, and he'd been off drugs and alcohol for like 40-odd years himself. And he said something fascinating, which hopefully aligns with what what you've said, Ruben. Um, He said, Billy, I've never seen a man in my program or woman get off drugs or alcohol if they were coaxed, encouraged, forced, um, injected with all sorts of synthetic drugs. He's never ever seen it in his time. He said the only reason they did was because they made a decision themselves. And I thought perhaps that aligns with, it's not a, a biblical scripture from Paul which I love. It's, it's an Aussie one that says, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Billy, great
0: thoughts that you are delivering here. Uh, Ruben, uh, these sorts of things don't just apply to friendship. Uh, clearly, uh, with all of the challenges that we might face in our lives, uh, making that personal decision based on people helping us make that decision is better than offering the advice or the forcing people to do anything. Any, any thoughts here for Billy?
1: Billy, thanks so much for that. It's a uh, very interesting a series of comments there, and I suppose the thing that, that I was just thinking about is the fact that, that um, the Bible tells us God will not be mocked, we will reap what we sow, and so part of the story, um, if you go back to the foundations of Alcoholic Anonymous, is the fact that it was only when um, the founder found himself unable to do anything, completely helpless, uh, because of his own actions, that he was able to call out to God for help and one things we have to do is to recognize that often our own poor decisions have got us where we are and it's if we try to soften those decisions sometimes as parents we want to take a, a decision we want to pay off a credit card that's been that's been run up or we want to help the child in some way to, to soften the impact of what they've done but actually the law of sowing and reaping is so critical because it's only in the, in the fact that we learn from our mistakes and learn the pain of those, that we can actually be in a situation where we can make better decisions as well.
0: Billy, any thoughts yep. further from you?
2: Oh, I uh, just, it was stunning what um, Reuben said and what Charles told me. He was about 80 years old at that time. This was about 10 years ago. It was quite stunning. He's still doing all his rehab. He's still helping people. But uh, and doing what he can and probably gives advice and things like that. But I guess you can rest easy in the knowledge that you're not going to take your advice anyway. So it is perhaps a waste of time. But you still do it and you still go through all these processes in helping people. But I think uh, you can perhaps use yourself and rest easy in that it's not 100%, well, it's not your responsibility at all because until that person makes the decision... Well, you know, it's like, it's like someone with a dis- decision for God or Christ, you know, there's no way of, you can uh, contribute to it, but ultimately they've got to make that decision. It was quite stunning, you know, the man of that experience did that to
0: Okay. Fabulous stuff Billy Great contribution to our conversation Appreciate your call today 1-800-316-316 You can join in our conversation Let's move on to communication And you mentioned this uh, Just before the news too Um, Communication Speaking the truth In love Uh, Take us back to a scriptural foundation Where we can understand this as ancient wisdom Uh, Ruben
1: well, you know, I suppose it's um, scattered through Scripture, but particularly in Ephesians 4, where Paul says that speaking the truth of love, that we may grow up into all things, into him, that is, into Jesus. And he goes on to to explain that really this is a, a whole body experience. And so it, it's interesting, Neil, I think that we often feel isolated, we often feel alone, but uh, Paul tells us that we're part of a body, and that's the church to to bring the full range of of uh, tools and expertise to the fore. So we need to understand that, and I think you know in in our own situations we need to be able to speak the truth in love, and that's hard because we often have experienced people that speak the truth; they're just very blunt. Um, And that's very hard. Or we've had people that want to speak in love, but they want to avoid the truth. But we're told that we need to speak the truth in love. And I think that's a much harder story because we need to understand that person. And if we are going to speak the truth in love, we need to actually ask enough questions to be sure that we understand the situation. And we also need to understand that there are times where we don't want to speak the truth because... You know Solomon says, "Do not correct a scoffer, lest he, he hates you hate you, but rebuke a wise man and he will love you." And so one thing we can see if we do correct a person and where and, and that person rejects it, we we want to feel bad about it because it's actually um, a wise man will always take on board the things we say because you can always learn something from someone along the way. But I think speaking the truth in love is one of the biggest challenges in our lives because it's so hard to do that in a way where people can hear and feel affirmed and loved in what we say.
0: And as we're exploring ancient wisdom here, ancient biblical wisdom, it's not just what you say, but how you say it. How do you reflect on uh, the biblical wisdom here? Because, uh, you know, there's an awful lot in the way that we might deliver anything that we might speak into anyone's life, whether it's correction or, you know, come back to uh, whether you thought it might be advice or something that you've got to deliver as a message to people, uh, the way you say it's important.
1: No, it is. And and Solomon tells us that pleasant words are like honeycomb. And uh, and I think that's one of the things that we know that the Bible also tells us that um, a gentle word will turn away wrath. And so I think that uh, it's very good to, to be armed with this because in situations where we get into conflict or into difficulty and we're finding ourselves tending to speak in a harsh way, we need to remember and just take a pause and say, wait a minute, we, I know that a gentle word will turn away, Roth. And so it's amazing. You can see that happen right before you. If, you. if you make that a mindset, if you get into a situation where you'll get into a conflict with someone, and you respond with a gentle word, you can see the whole situation change. So, you know, it's definitely a harsh word of anger. And you can see that happen all around us each day in, in things like people with uh, with uh, traffic rage and road rage and so forth, but also in our own interactions. And so I think, the uh, you know, both Solomon and James tell us that the tongue has the power to bring both death and life. And so we, we need to be much more careful with our words than than we we realize in our day-to-day interactions. And I think that's in such an important story. And one of the things Solomon tells us amazingly, if we, if we don't say anything, we can be considered wise in some situations. So I think we have to be careful about how we say it and what we say it and, and be careful to take some time and to realize that when we speak, it's got the power of life and death. And that's that's extraordinary, isn't it, our words themselves. And you've seen that around it. I've seen it uh, around it. In a, in a, I mentioned in my book a young woman who's, whose mother, in a, in a rage, said, I hate you uh, when she was in her teens. And that had an impact down the years in such a powerful way. And it's very hard to, to take those words back now.
0: Very hard to take those words back once they are spoken or they are written or they're delivered by email or on social media. Uh, one of the really outstanding uh, points of wisdom, uh, just to pick up from a chapter that you wrote on communication here, is, uh, Ruben, you say that any you communicate, whether you're speaking, whether you're writing, whether you're sending it in a digital format, you are going to be misunderstood. Uh, that's uh, that's an interesting one because I think everyone will relate to that, but we assume that when we are communicating with people that they've understood what we've said. That's not always the case. No, it's it's mostly not the case. That's the, <laughs> that's the peculiar thing.
1: And uh, I did, did hear a professor of communications from the University of California, Los Angeles, the story was told years ago that he said the result of all communication is misunderstanding. And I think it's good to remember that because even he said, you know, even if we we think we're the best communicator in the world and we've just delivered a key message um, to a group of people or just one-on-one, we can find that we've been misunderstood. And so I think it's absolutely important to to check in to see if people have understood and what they've understood. Um, And um, he said at a big at a big conference he said if you if you actually have uh, delivered a message to a group of employees the best thing is to go into the bathroom afterwards and hear what they're saying and you usually find out it's a completely different message.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is interesting, isn't it? Because uh, whenever we speak something and we uh, can hope that people have understood us, uh, we might have even uh, said it gently. Um, But there's also the body language that goes along with that when you're speaking to people personally and something is misinterpreted somewhere along the way. Uh, But you say never even send an email or a text when you're angry. Is this because at the other end, when someone's opening a message from you, and it might be a critique or it might be uh, some words, it might even be, uh, you know, reproving somebody, uh, that they sort of see you, it's all automatically interpreted as being sarcastic or, or angry in some way. Any thoughts here about people and receiving messages on electronic communications?
1: Yes, I, I think my, my own experience was very important in this because I think in, in the early days of if email, it, it's, it's sort of tempting to respond to people um, because you don't have to see them. It's easier to write something rather than say something to them directly. And of course, if we do say something, we'll usually tone down what we say. But it's easier to write something angry. And, you know, what can happen with that message, it can be it can go out to then from just the, that person to tens of others or hundreds or thousands of others. So I think one of the important bits of advice I got in the early days of electronic communication was to whatever you send, be prepared that you be wouldn't be embarrassed if you saw it on the front page of the local newspaper. And I think when you put that sort of uh, overview on it, it gives you a much better sense of of how to write something and to be very careful. And the other thing is, is when you when you find an angry email um, that comes towards you. Uh, and you you open it up, don't respond by email, um go to the person directly, or if you can't go to them, call them because there's much more likely to be a better outcome and better situation from that. But I think Neil, one of the great the great dangers we we face in modern society is the fact of people putting just too much information on social media that 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 information stays there forever uh, in the in the internet. And, you know, we have to be much more prudent and careful about what we, what we put and how we use social media. In fact, I think we'd be wise to, to take a break and get off most of social media. And I was saved by my wife from, um, from going onto Facebook years ago because she said to me in the early days, she said, don't, don't go onto Facebook. Um, all they want is to, your information and to use it against you. And it turned out she was 100% correct.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, that's, uh, that is real wisdom, and that's not wisdom uh, from Reuben. That's uh, wisdom from Reuben's wife. Hey, <laughs> speaking the truth in love, if you're taking uh, a note on something like that, um, ancient wisdom, biblical wisdom for modern times Uh, Talking communications, that's a key. Speak the truth in love. And yes, you've got to still unpack that for how that works when you're in front of someone face to face or whether you're writing a letter or you've got some sort of communication happening uh, digitally. uh, Speaking the truth in love is the biblical wisdom. You know, all of this flows into uh, the third element of what we wanted to talk about today, Ruben. That is conflict and the challenges that we will have in solving conflict, avoiding conflict. Uh, give us your biblical wisdom here, uh, that we, we might be able to find this ancient wisdom for our modern times around conflict.
1: Well, it all links back, I think, to what we've been talking about, um, Neil, because, you know, Solomon tells us that a soft answer turns away, Roth, and James really tells us to be swift to hear, and unfortunately, we tend to get this wrong. We, we're swift to speak, uh, and we need to be swift to hear and slow to speak, it, it tells us. And so I think one of the story about conflict that I've learned, and it's taken me a long time, is to be swift to hear. And when there's, a, there's an issue, sometimes we react to it uh, out of our own uh, problems. Particularly, we can be triggered by certain things someone says, and then we'll react in hostility. But again, if we actually ask a question, and ask the person what's happening because he's really upset now. What's happened at, at the moment, or what's what? What are some of the issues here? What have I done? To explore the situation in that in that uh, in, in that sort of situation, there's is, is by asking some more questions can have a really a very big impact. And I think um, often we're preparing ourselves with what we're going to say when someone's telling us something we don't like, but again. Uh, Solomon comes to the fore, and he says, "He who gives an answer before he hears is folly and shame to him." So, so we 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 want to be 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 careful to 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 really engage, to to be in the moment with a person, and when we're in a con- situation of conflict, be sure that we've understood what it is that's happening. And most of the time, we find we we are we're not um, we're not there. We haven't understood fully, and we speak too quickly. So I think you know James tells us that. We need to be, you know, swift to listen and slow to speak uh, and slow to become angry. We usually get it all confused and we're very quick to become angry. We're quick to speak and we're slow to hear. Uh, But I think it's one of the best bits of advice that we have from biblical wisdom.
0: We're talking conflict. Um, you say uh, to avoid conflict or not necessarily, because sometimes it's important to actually confront uh, situations and conflict is something we ought not to be afraid of. But, uh, but to exacerbate conflict, you say avoid triangulation. Uh, what does triangulation mean and what's so important about avoiding it?
1: It was one of the most important things that, that, that I've discovered and it's 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 unfortunate because it's how we normally respond. When something happens to us, when someone does something to us that we don't like, rather than going to that person and saying, look, this happened and um, I was really upset about this, we go to someone else and and sometimes we'll go to many people and tell, tell the, the story and it makes us feel better. But it actually doesn't fix the problem and it actually worsens it because we've actually told a range of other people. We usually haven't put ourselves in fault. We've usually put the other person in fault. So it's really important, I think, that when we have an issue, we don't triangulate, that is, go to a third person. We actually go to the person involved. And and Jesus himself says in Matthew 18, you know, when you have a problem with your brother, go to him, him alone in the first place. And, you know, I think a lot of problems could be solved if we were prepared to do that rather than to go to several other people and particularly in families, I've, I've seen this being a real disaster where people have talked to other family members about the situation, which has caused further problems for the particular person and the rest of the family, and then you've got a real mess that sometimes can't be unpicked.
0: So being swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry and uh, go and deal with your conflict with the person you've got the problem with uh, rather than triangulate and bring others into uh, maybe even getting them to take sides. I wish we had lots more time, but I just want to cut to the chase here because, Reuben, you've got wonderful ancient biblical wisdom on conflict and uh, one of those elements of the wisdom and one of those perhaps most important Uh, is this issue that we glean so powerfully from the Scriptures around forgiveness as a key to the conflict and a means to letting go. Uh, Thoughts here on forgiveness if you're looking for biblical wisdom on the things that we're facing?
1: Well, Jesus says it best in, in Matthew 18 towards the end of that chapter, and he basically says, he talks about the story of the unforgiving servant and says at the end of that chapter that, if we don't forgive, um, as we should, then what will happen is that your Heavenly Father will basically hand you over to the torturers. And, you know, while that seems just a sort of a, an image, a, a powerful image, I think it's actually true in reality because many of us hold on to unforgiveness in our lives. You know, something's happened to us, we hold on to it, it actually poisons us. Um, that unforgiveness actually becomes like a torture to us. And, you know, one of the things that happens right throughout society, whether it's Christian or non-Christian, is holding on to unforgiveness. So I think it's probably one of the most critical elements and one of the hardest things to do well, Neil, is is to forgive, is to genuinely forgive those who have hurt us and caused problems for us. And if we hold on to it, it will poison us and we'll be handed over to the torturers, which is a pretty terrible sort of
0: outcome, isn't it? (laughs) It is a dreadful sort of outcome to think of being handed over to the torturers. Reuben, there's so much more we could say. Just, I guess, if we just draw attention here to the application of biblical wisdom, and uh, just as we finish our conversation, I wonder if we can come back to, uh, just say, for example, we're looking through the book of Proverbs, which is, you know, wisdom literature from the Bible, and so much wisdom. It's like a lifetime to absorb it. But when we're looking at that wisdom, sometimes people are quick to race through the chapter. What are your thoughts here about just absorbing wisdom, um, perhaps verse by verse? Any thoughts around how we absorb that biblical wisdom?
1: Yes, yes, yeah I think... One of the things that's important is to do just what you've said—that is, to to absorb it verse by verse, and to to you know just take a verse here right before me. You know, uh, at the moment, you know, Proverbs 21 verse 4: A haughty look, a proud heart, and the ploughing of the wicked are sin. Now, rather than just rushing on to the next word, verse, it's it's worthwhile to meditate on that verse, as, as it tells us, as as uh, God tells Joshua which is really to, 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 to say it over again, to actually think, what does that mean? And to actually say the verse to, yourselves and to yourself and, and actually reflect on it and to meditate on it. And I think that's the important because there's so much density in the material in Proverbs, but every verse has got such wisdom in it and we can get so much from it by just engaging with it, meditating on it and just asking ourselves, what does this mean for me? What am I doing in my life? Uh, about this particular area. So I think that's one of the good ways to to engage with some of that dense material in
0: Proverbs. Reuben Rose, just uh, our privilege to be able to access a little of your wisdom today as you've been reflecting on ancient wisdom for modern times, biblical foundations for life in a world that's lost its way. Appreciate uh, you very, very much. Uh, Reuben as I mentioned earlier in the introduction, uh, a husband, a father, a farmer, a veterinarian, scientific researcher, academic leader, pastor, chairman of a group of CEOs, and is an emeritus professor at the University of Sydney. And because of his passion... For understanding the human condition, and this is a human condition that doesn't change. The same questions uh, for who am I and how did I get here? Those things will continue on. So, how do you access the biblical wisdom of those? Uh, let me recommend to you get a hold of Reuben's book, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Times. There is a website you can connect with Reuben. It's in Ancient Paths. Dot com paths.com And of course, you can access his book available online booksellers, uh, Amazon uh, or other booksellers. You'll find uh, this book, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Times. Uh, we're talking about uh, Ruben as an academic, but I can tell you it's a super easy to read. He's got a beautiful way of writing. Uh, you might want to get a hold of a book like this because it does beautifully expose biblical wisdom for our modern day. Reuben Rose, thank you so much for taking some time to share your wisdom with us today on 2020.
1: Neil, thank you so much for having me with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.